everyone this morning I know you've been praying for brother Dennis and his uh, mission team uh, one of the thing if you in your bulletin you'll notice in the little section they're talking about it uh, there is a Facebook page that you can go to you go in on search and go mission to Kenya there are pictures and pictures and pictures on there of his mission trip uh, I was talking with Miss Alyssa this morning, and she was telling me that uh, they had a baptism in a river, uh, a flowing river. In fact, they had to have two people holding him so that he could baptize uh, a bunch of people. So be sure to do that. Uh, go on Facebook and look at it and see all those wonderful, beautiful pictures. Uh, again, we're glad you're here. Y'all keep in prayer for Brother Dennis and his return. In the meantime, uh, today you just got to suffer with me. But, uh, uh, and I left my watch at home, so I'm going to put my phone right here, and I can tap it to make sure I don't hold you too long today. Uh, if I see you going to sleep, I'll look and make sure that you are awake and that it's not past 12 o'clock. But uh, if you have your Bible this morning, turn to Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to begin reading with verse 22. This is Jesus' presentation at the temple. And so if you will just turn to page, uh, page Luke 22. Verse, no. <laughs> All right, let's start over. Turn to Luke 2, go to verse 22. Then we'll be there. All right, listen to what the scripture tells us. Now, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to you. Your glory, the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things that were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of of the tribe of Asher and she was of the great age and lived with a husband for seven years from her virginity and this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day and coming in that instant she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to him to all those who looked, who looked for the redemption of Israel. 
And so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and with the grace of God was upon him. Bless us, Father, today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Christmas is past. It's behind us now. A new year is about to come in and will be upon us. Focus now will switch from the nativity to the life and ministry of Jesus and all that leading up eventually to the uh, Easter service, which this year is March the 31st. And so uh, from the birth into Bethlehem to his death in Golgotha is a big gap of about 30 years. And we know very little of what went on in those 30 years. In fact, uh, we only know of about four different things that, that happened in those, 40, those years. Uh, we know, of course, the birth. And then we know that after eight days, which is our text today, and then somewhere around the age of two, the Magi from the east, or the Magi from the east, and then at age 12 again in the temple. But other than that, his life growing up, we know very little about. Now, there are some old ancient texts of books that are not in the Bible uh, that didn't make the canonization uh, that, you know, have some stories of this and that and, you know, different things about Jesus growing up. But, but as far as the scripture goes, that's all we know, very little. And we, want, we only can speculate what life must have been like as a, as a young man, young boy growing up in that carpenter shop in Nazareth. And when you look at the years that we do know, we see that there must have been hundreds and hundreds of people that came in contact with Jesus, yet only recorded a few, hand, a few handful, handful of people who actually recognized or, or saw any significance in him. When you, were, when you go back to the manger scene, there must have been a lot of people. The, the towns were, remember, there was no room for any, anybody in the inns. They had to go to a stable to, for him to be born. There was a lot of people in uh, uh, Bethlehem when Jesus was born. But it was just a handful of uncouth, backward shepherds who were visited by the angels and told, Behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then they said, Well, we've got to see this for ourselves. Let's go. And so they went, and they paid homage to the newborn child. When he was, when the wise men came, they weren't the only ones that saw the star. There must have been a lot of people who saw this new star up there in the sky and how bright it shines and look at it. But yet they were the only ones who recognized that star as a symbol of a king being born. And so they followed that star all the way till they found the young child and brought gifts and worship. And in this, our text today, there must have been a, a lot of people going in and out of the temple you know, families and, and individuals in and out, in and out. And yet, in all that, 
Simeon and Anna were the only ones that recognized this couple as unique. Because there's always a lot of people miss. They miss it. They miss it. Several hundreds of people must have interacted with Jesus growing up, yet only this few handfuls that we know of. Uh, there are occasions, and, and we're reminded that these few occurrences, occasions, remind us that God is always moving, always working. And many people today, even today and all throughout the encounter Christ right where they are, right before their very own eyes, and somehow they miss him in the midst of all that's happening. Christmas has come and gone, and yet once again, many people miss the true spirit of Christmas. In 1843, a man realized that so much has happened that uh, Chris, people were missing the spirit of Christmas. And so this man named Charles Dickens sat down and he wrote a tale so that it would remind people of what the true spirit of Christmas is. The Christmas Carol. You've seen it. At the last count, there have been over 200 new movies and renditions of the Christmas Carol. From Scrooge to, you know, just, it, and it, it, it's just so many there. But the point is to open your hearts and feel and see and be and enjoy the spirit of Christmas. And yet, in all the hustle and bustle, and, and I know we, we did the same thing almost. You know, we had, we, Brenda was all busy cooking and preparing, and our, our daughter and our grandchildren, grandsons were coming. Our son and his wife were coming. We all gathered at my house. We had this big uh, uh, dinner, and we had this fellowship together, and it was exciting. I enjoyed every minute of it. But you know, when it come time, we prayed a blessing. Lord, we wouldn't see and understand and feel the spirit of what Christmas was. And yet, a lot of people, again, missed it. Christmas had come and Christmas has gone. Yet, in all these events that we're talking about, the birth and the temple experience and the later the temple experience and the, the Magi experience, there are always those lucky few that, who really get it. I got it. I understand now. And they're blessed. And are, were you one of those blessed that got it? You know how to get it? I'm going to tell you three ways to get it. One, look for him in everyday occasions. Look for him. Look for it to happen. It can happen. You got to look for it. You got you, you to look for Jesus' movements in your life. You know, I can hear the, I can hear the conversation. Now go back with me now. We're back at the temple. The priests have gathered and they're saying, what are we going to do with these two old people? They're always here. They go through the motions. They participate in everything. And yet it never seems enough. It, it, it's like they keep looking and longing for something special to happen. What's wrong with them? Aha, you just met Simeon and Anna. The priest just introduced you to them. 
They're always hanging around with a look in their eye and a longing in their hearts for something more than you and I could give them. They were looking for something more, longing and hoping for the consolation of Israel. They would have been considered nobodies. They were just people who, who an elderly people, elderly couple, not a couple, but they were elderly people who were among a group of people that probably lived close to the temple. They had nothing else to do, and yet they couldn't stay away from the temple. Wouldn't it be nice to have church members that way? They just couldn't stay away from church. They just, you know, doors open, they're going to be here. In rural churches, you have people like that, and usually they're the older, but I've pastored rural churches. I remember when it comes times when we get a little, now in Georgia, you get a dusting of snow. In Georgia, that's the same thing as three foot of snow in New York. Everything shuts down, buses quit running, schools are canceled, just because there's going to be a little dusting out there. You get a little, you get a good snow or a good ice storm, and... If you open the church doors, there are going to be people who are going to come because the church is open. They feel that if God's house is open, i got to be there. And so one, my first call would be to the chairman of the deacons, and I would say, hey, look, I'm over at the church. I'm looking out here. I can scrape this ice off the steps. I don't make this decision, but you guys need to get on the phone and talk about it this are we going to have church today because if we open the door there's going to be some of our older folks that's going to come and do we want to take a chance on them slipping and falling and see that's in, in pastor terminology that's called pass the buck <laughs> that way the deacons canceled the service not the pastor and see I only lived about a quarter mile from the church down the hill there so I just walked down there it was no problem for me but I knew it would be for people. That's why it was with these, if the doors are open, they're there. They were the sort of people who, they were not religious professionals like the scribes and the priests. They were elderly, probably semi-educated or if not un, totally uneducated. They were the sort of people who just blend in the background. You really don't notice them. Unless they're begging for alms, you would just go right by and you just this old man sitting there or this older lady sitting there. And uh, they were just devout followers who had to be at the church when the doors were open. And they did, probably did a little begging on the side to kind of make ends meet. But uh, they would be the type of people who would, you would hardly notice as you hurriedly entered in or were exiting doing whatever business at the temple you came for. They lived their whole life, their entire life, waiting on the promise from God that Old Testament's prophets, and this was a big thing in those days. They were looking for this consolation. There was this expectation of the Messiah that would come. Isaiah foretold it. They were waiting for it. They were waiting for a gift from God. And then suddenly, they have a contentment they had never experienced before. They were looking for him every day, every moment, in everything that happens. So that's the first step. 
The second step, or the second way, is to be open to extraordinary happenings. Actually, I was going through O's. I started with uh, look for them in everyday occasions and then be open in extraordinary occurrences. But then when I got to step three, I ran out of O's. So I have to go with that. But be open for an extraordinary occurrence. You have, you have to realize the expectation of the day. They longed for a Messiah. Simeon and Anna were certainly educated in the hanging around the temple. They had the privilege to be around the temple and all the, everything that was happening, and they kept hearing over and over the, the, out of the law, the, the promises of God and all that was going to happen. They had this, Simeon had this promise from God that he would live to see the Messiah. And so he, he knew it was going to happen. Now he's up in old age. Uh, is this going to happen? Is it, it, will it happen in my life? Or, or am I going to, you know, God, God said I would see it. And with all the forecast of the mighty Messiah, this war hero that's going to throw Rome off her backs. And this was what they were expecting, a, a ruler who would come in, a glorious avenger who would come in. And these were the images that everybody was having. And nobody expected Emmanuel to come in a baby. What can a baby do? He can't throw Rome off its seat. He can't overpower the armies and the nations around. They, weren't expect, they were expecting a general with, you know, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type thing. You know, a big, strong man with a big blade. They're going to come in here and we're going to fight. But yet God sent an infant. An infant. And nonetheless, both Simeon and Anna moved from that liberal interpretation of what everybody was expecting to something inside told Anna and told Simeon that this was no ordinary family. Something unique was about this. Something inside told them that this was the one. It's the one. And you can almost feel that excitement that's there. They've been longing and waiting and, and they were promised they would see the one. He is the one. And that feeling was there. How did they know? The shepherds? They had angels came and told them. The magi? They had a star in the east. And they saw it. What made them see something different when they saw well, what they've been looking at day after day. Thinking, think about it. They were there day after day, families in and out, couples in and out, families with children, families with babies, individual people in and out all day long, go through the through every day except for Sabbath, and that's when everybody came in to to worship. And so in all of this, they witnessed ordinary families bringing their humble offerings. But they knew this moment was special because they were expecting to see Jesus work, working to see God work. They were looking for God. They were ready to see him. As with the shepherds and as with, with the wise men, not everybody was looking. Everybody was hoping and excited, but only a few 
got it. Only a few. They found that worship and the temple wasn't enough to satisfy, not until God showed up. Isn't that the way it usually works? Something always happens when God shows up. Always that way. They were prepared to see him. They were moved by the Spirit. And the Spirit of God revealed to them when they saw this couple, this is what you've been waiting for. Simeon, this is what I have promised you. You would not die till you saw this moment. And they knew it. And they saw it. So they were expecting it. They were expecting it in, in events or, or occurrences, as I said, with my O's. But then we moved to the third one, and I couldn't think of an O, so I just said, you have to expect to see God moving in your life. You've got to expect it. That's one of the reasons we miss a, a, so much when God moves in our lives, because we're not looking for him to move in our life. In fact, we've sometimes become so laid back that, he, that, that nothing exciting happens that when, when he does move, we miss it. That's why we miss the spirit of Christmas sometimes. We, we're so often, we're, or so many people do, because we're so busy with everything else that we're not reminded. We forget what the reason for the season I remind it every time I drive into my driveway. Brenda's got a sign she sticks in the yard. The reason for the season. So every time I drive in, I know I'm reminded the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, we need to realize Jesus is always available. We need to always see him moving in our lives. We can trust that God is still moving in the history of man. In spite of our shortcomings, he's still moving. He still reveals himself to whoever will be open and look for him. And when we expect to see God moving in our lives, we begin to appreciate what, where we've been and what we've been through and where we come from. It's good to reminisce. Think a moment. Take a moment and look back through your life when you saw that God was there, that he moved in your life. I did that this week. That'd be a good, our, uh, Brother Dennis gives us homework. That's good homework for you. Go home and just stop and think of all the times in your life that you realize God was there at that moment. I did that, and I remember when I was a young boy in, in, in the Boy Scouts. I couldn't swim. And somebody shoved me off a dock. I couldn't swim. I was underwater, terrified, and I, I guess I should have drowned. But, you know, my foot touched something, and I pushed up. And every time I would go down and push up, I'd come up, grab a breath of air, and I'd go back under again. I got lucky because I, every time the land was here and the water was deep out here, and every time I pushed up, I was going this way until I stood up. You know, God was there that day. And I can't even, I won't even go into all the times in Vietnam that God was there. I know he was. Because I'm here because he was there. And I go through my life and I look at, at accidents that we were involved in uh, when we were on our going to try out our trial sermon at our very first church. And we were going to come back and be the pastor of that church and we were on our way back to seminary and we had a terrible, terrible accident. 
car was totally destroyed and we walked away. God was there. And I just kept going through and seeing things. See, God is always busy in our lives. But sometimes we don't realize it. And we miss it. We just don't get it. Knowing that God is there. You know, as Christians, we see things differently. We can see how things and events can happen. And and, and these events can be an opportunity in which God can work in our lives. And then when we stop and look... We realize, hey, he did. He was. He was there. We live with an expectancy, and we attune our lives to, to God at work. And we expect to see his hands in everything. In every tiny segment of life, we, we have that expectation to see God moving in our life. We recognize the Holy Eternal One when he breaks into our lives, just like he did for Simeon and Anna. We got to expect it. I think it was a thing that came on TV. I couldn't tell you what it was. I don't get into TV too much. But, but one thing that I heard in that was expect the unexpected. I can't even tell you what part of the movie it came from, but you know, that rung on a bell. It, always as a Christian, we should expect the unexpected. Expect God to move in our lives. You know, we find lawyers today. You can find lawyers who had a great passion for truth and justice and doing right. And slowly, over time, they've given up that passion and they've decided to settle for what is legally correct. In the medical field, you can find doctors, maybe even nurses, who began with a great passion for helping and healing and giving life and and became so excited about learning and, and sharing and helping people. And then the passion seems to wear away and they kind of become what is medically correct. <laughs> I'm going out on a limb on this one. You don't have to look far to find politicians who run for office. With a, with, with a passion for what would be most beneficial for their constituents. And, and as, as time wears by, their passion disappears and they start settling for what is politically correct. And then you see Christians. Christians today who, who come out of great conversion experiences and, and, and they're alive and on fire with a passion. But then they settle for so much, much less. They settle for something that's called churching. And they lose the passion. Passion. Something we should never lose. You find Christians today. The flame is gone. The passion is gone. There's no longer expectation of God moving and working. And when he does, I'm going to give you a brand new church word you may not be heard of. But folks, it's there. If God moves and works in someone's life in the church and they get a little passion, we settle for something called shushing. 
You ever heard that word? You use it on your kids. Shh, shh, hush, hush. When the adults are talking, y'all, y'all, shh, hush, hush, shush, shush. Get somebody to get a little passion and excitement, and we want to say, shh, 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 don't too much. It might be catching. Some of these other folks in this church might get a little passion too, so hush, shush, they call it, shushing. It scares them. Because when God does move, it scares them. What do we do? Well, it happens to me. I say, I got it. I hope you get it. Have you lost your expectancy? Have you lost your passion? Have you lost your flame? Shine, Jesus, shine. Good song. You read, hear the words for it. Perfect song for today. Shine, Jesus, shine. Let your light shine. Let the flame burn. Let it burn in me. Have you lost it? Does it surprise you to see God moving in other people? What? What's going on in them? What's wrong with them folks? Think about it, folks, as we come to our conclusion. Expect to see God moving. Be open to events when he does move. And look for them in everyday occasion. It can be anything so simple. But there comes that expectancy. Simeon had it. Anna had it. And out of I don't know how many people at Temple that day, but a lot of people, but only two of them really expected it and looked for it and got it. And they got it. And they saw it. What did Simon say? Lord, now, now I can die. I, you promised I would see this before the end, and now I'm ready. Are we ready to see God moving in our lives? Are we ready to see God moving in our family? Are we ready to see God moving in our church? I hope so. I hope you're ready to see him move in your life. Because I would love to see it happen in every one of us. Every one of us. I guarantee you there will be a different look. There will be something different in our eyes. There's going to be something different in the way we walk, the way we talk, the way that our excitement, our passion is going to be different. Oh, if we would just expect it. Because God has promised it. And when he moves, we rejoice. With it. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house again today for this lesson to remind us that in all the events that happen, there are so many people that do that just don't get it. Many people miss the spirit of Christmas because they were they just didn't get it for some reason. Not that it was their fault, it was just so many things happening. They were so wrapped up in other things, but Blessed are those who did get the spirit of it. Blessed are those who worship every day, worship every week, service after service after service. They hear great sermons. They hear scripture read. They hear wonderful songs sung and uplifted, the glory and the power and the majesty of, of you. And yet we so often go out the door and we, we, we just didn't get it. 
we weren't expecting you to move, you to speak. So, Father, enhance our expectancy. Let us expect to see you moving in our life and in our church, in our families. Be open to events that gives you the opportunity to show your presence and your power within us and your love. And then rekindle within us that great passion we had. That when you entered into our life on the day of salvation, that, that passion and joy that was there, that over the years has just kind of tarnished and gone away. Rekindle the flame. Put us alive. Alive with power. Your power. And Father, as we will gather and stand and sing this hymn of invitation, maybe you've spoken to someone today. May they get your spirit as you speak. As we sing this hymn of invitation, you move us as you see fit. And may we respond in Jesus' name. Amen.